Hi, my name is Nikki. My name is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed Bed Crime Crime Stories, Stories. a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink, a drink, a drink, and take turns telling each other the story. Do you want us to do that again? No, you can keep going. (laughs) I'm laughing. You do you. Where we pour ourselves a drink and take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night. Mm Mm-hmm. So, my first true crime headline for tonight is from People.com. Shocker. It was published on January 25th, 2021. I don't know why I said it like that. Did I say 2020 last week? 2021. You might have. Who knows? Oh, damn. But I don't know why I said it the way that I did. January 25th, 2021. That's much better. Mm -hmm. Wow. And the headline reads, pregnant Indiana woman and four others killed in mass murder in home. A different kind of evil. Um, A motive for the violence is unknown at this time. Five people, including a pregnant teenager, were killed early Sunday morning inside an Indianapolis home. A vicious mass murder that one official described as a different kind of evil. According to police who held a press conference on Sunday, a 911 call came in at about 4 a.m. about a potential shooting on the city's northeast side. Officers arrived to find a young boy outside suffering a gunshot wound crazy that's sad yeah one of the victims her name was kiara hawkins she was a pregnant 19 year old was transported to a hospital where attempts to revive her and save her unborn baby failed Hmm. yeah i will say can i just make a like comment on the storytelling of this story real quick she was 19 years old i hate that they call her a pregnant teenager agreed yeah. Right? She's a woman. She's a whole ass woman. She can yeah, sign she's contracts. An adult. She's an adult. A pregnant woman and her unborn child were killed on Sunday, not a pregnant teenager. Probably, well, I think it's because it's 19 as to why they consider it. Yeah, like, but I mean, I would think a teenager is 13 to 17. Well, yeah. Yeah, because 18, that's when you get the right to vote and actually. You can buy cigarettes. Contribute right? to fucking society. Yeah. You just can't buy alcohol. Correct. Well, and. Is that a federal well, no. law? I thought cigarettes, you had to be 21 now. Oh, cigarettes, really? Cigarettes, you had to be 21 now, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. But So you can go to war, but you can't. You can't smoke a cigarette. Or drink an alcohol. Mm-hmm. Or drink an alcohol. Drink an alcohol. I can't, have, I can't even have one alcohol. One alcohol. Oh, I'm getting punchy. Okay, <clears throat> so my second true crime headline comes from CBS News, and this Ooh. was published on January 26th, 2021. Mm. And this one is not murdery. Um, it is Wisconsin pharmacist will plead guilty to tampering with COVID-19 vaccine doses. Oh, this asshole. This I asshole. About this. So a former Wisconsin pharmacist has agreed to plead guilty to intentionally tampering with hundreds of doses of the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine. The Department of Justice announced Tuesday. Stephen Bradenburg was fired after he allegedly removed 57 vials of the vaccine from a hospital refrigerator, causing more than 50 people to be vaccinated with improperly stored doses. <gasps> Some bullshit. Um, so that is it for our true crime headlines. I'm going to pass it over to Nikki for this evening's bed crime story. Yay! So this week, uh, I, I'm doing something a little different. So, as my boyfriend said, I'm quote-unquote putting on my lab coat this week. And uh, I'm doing... I'm basically doing how pet DNA is helping solve crimes. 
Okay. So. All right. I figured, I was like, you know what? I mean, I like doing true crime stuff, but at the same time, like, I really like the... Forensic filiness and everything. Yeah. Like, I think I, I may do, like, a blood spatter one, too, because, like, mm-hmm. I just find that stuff really intriguing. Yeah. Um, so, today, my sources are um, Evidence Technology Magazine and Oxygen.com. So. Evidence Magazine is my favorite magazine. Really? Yeah, monthly, I have a monthly subscription. Evidence Technology Magazine? My God, you are very gullible, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> No, I don't. Oh, you're saying it so seriously. (laughs) That's why I was looking at you like this, like, really? And the Oscar goes to Charlie. I mean, you did take what? Acting, a lot of acting in high school and... I did. In college, too? Just, just high school. Okay. I am gullible. If gullible was written (laughs) on the ceiling, I'd probably be like... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm now going to get you a subscription. Yes. Oh, birthday. yeah. Dude, I'll fucking read that shit. Okay. All day. So, <laughs> animal DNA profiling is becoming more common as investigators realize that the same techniques used in human DNA analysis can be applied to animal evidence such as saliva, urine, feces, blood, and hair. Yeah. So, animal evidence can help solve a wide range of cases from animal cruelty or theft um, to animal attacks on human or human on human crimes like robbery, rape, and murder. So dog feces evidence um, from two different violent crimes were um, analyzed and presented in court to help convict defendants in a triple homicide and in a rape. Interesting. Right? I mean, I mean, I guess it makes sense. It does. But I was like, I never... Like you get some dog poo on your shoe? Yeah. I never thought of that before. So dog urine from uh, territorial marking on a truck tire was profiled in a sexual assault case leading to a plea deal. Huh. Which I was, like, thinking about it, and I was like, you know, when I had my female dog, my grass is really green. Mm-hmm. And then with my male dog, my grass is very yellow. So, like, it's whatever is... Yeah. He's got that acidic pee. Acidic pee. Yeah. But the scope of each investigation is only limited by the imagination of the investigator. So, as one of the first people to arrive, crime scene investigators have a unique opportunity to survey the crime scene and identify potential evidence, mm-hmm. which I was like, makes sense. Yeah. Because they're the first person there. Yeah. They have to, they got to look. Mm-hmm. Can't just, can't just look at what's in front of you. You got to look at everything. Yeah. So, it's the investigator who, who thinks outside the box and wonders, what can this animal evidence tell us? So... I was trying to find the date that this was actually published, but I couldn't find, like, the official date for this. Mm. Well, I can look at my back issues of Forensic Magazine yeah. and let you know. Please. I don't think that's what it was called anymore. No. <laughs> I just made that up. Evidence Technology. <laughs> Evidence Technology Magazine. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, pet ownership in the U.S. has more than tripled since the 1970s, and I, I kind of, that's why I was trying to check, because I was like, even with COVID, even more so now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, like, they're talking about the whole COVID-19 puppy, puppy syndrome. Boom. Like, yeah. well, they're talking about that and how your puppies are going to be really stressed out when you go back to work. Yeah, I actually read a whole article about that, like, what you should do to help separate, do like, slow separation, so you don't, like shock their systems. I work half on and half off, so, mm-hmm. like, my dog is pretty adjusted. Mm-hmm. It's... Mine are not. Mine are very codependent. Oh. See, the yeah. puppy the puppy sleeps through everything. My older dog has a full meltdown mm-hmm. all day long. Yeah. Whether we're here or not. 
So um, it says more than 60% of American households now include at least one pet. I personally have a zoo. I have four. So the amount of hair everywhere. Oh, God, I know. (sighs) But it says, and those pets can help solve crimes. So if you own a cat or dog, you know that their hair accompanies you throughout the day. From your home to your car, from your car to your office. Mm Mm-hmm. And I made sure to include, so does my boyfriend's beard hair. (laughs) Um, But pet hair is the most commonly collected of non-human evidence. However, unlike humans, dog and cat hairs uh, without roots can yield enough uh, DNA for individual nuclear DNA profiling. Hmm. I was like, man, this is like... Science-y. It was very science-y. That's because they groom themselves... Like, cats groom themselves all the time. True. Yeah. True, true, true. So, they're leaving saliva in their hair shafts. Yeah. And that saliva contains cells. <laughs> Shaft. I'm 12. <laughs> Same. Hmm. I do it, too. So, it says about 1 in 15 shed dog hairs will have enough nuclear DNA for individual profiling. Huh. I guess I just never, like, put two and two together like that. Yeah, me Like, it's not just their hair. It's also their saliva. Yeah. That's why I was, like, that's why I wanted to do this. Because, like, when I was, like, first looking into it, I was, like, this is really actually intriguing. Yeah. Because you would never think of... No. Any of this. And then it says, um, the more fastidious, which I, I had to look up... And I was like, another word for clean. So a really clean cat mm-hmm. averages about one in four hairs with enough nuclear DNA. Because huh. cats groom themselves They're constantly. Them. Yeah. 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 So the likelihood of getting that DNA profile goes down when their hairs have been laundered, buried, immersed, or have been prolonged exposure to the outdoor environment. Mm. Even in those cases, another type of DNA, mitochondrial... Mitochondrial DNA! I was like, man, I remember. So it's like, we love me, us some mitochondrial DNA. It literally took me back to like high school and like coloring mm-hmm. in the, like doing all the colorings. But it's found in animals um, that can be tested to include or exclude a suspect. Mitochondrial DNA um, has many more copies in each cell and is more stable due to its circular shape. Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> I know all of this. Do you? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry if Remember, this is... she has that magazine. <laughs> I know I'm this sorry from the if magazine. I'm boring people. I find this so intriguing. Like, the stuff, like, I love. I don't yeah. know. Um, because it persists longer than nuclear DNA, it is especially useful when samples are degraded. Mm. It is inherited through the maternal line, so everyone, people, and animals have the same mitochondrial DNA as their mother. Am I even saying that word right? I feel like I've said it three different ways already. It's mitochondrial. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Mitochon. I think I said it right the first time, and then I said it wrong the next time. It's Mm. probably... I probably have said it, like, every different way. Possibly. I'm just flowing. I know what you mean. We know what you mean. I'm just flowing with it. So even though it's not unique to an individual, it can identify or exclude possible contributors and assist in the progress... Of the investigation. Hmm. So a single cat hair found in an outturned pocket of a homicide victim helped to implicate his killer. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. So Stephen Nolt uh, was found with uh, severe neck uh, lacerations. 
lacerations, mm -hmm. to the point of near uh, decapitation. Upon investigation, it was found that he had engaged in a dispute with a former employee over money. His pockets were turned inside out and $450 were missing, along with his truck. When the cat hair from his pocket was tested, it failed to yield an individual nuclear DNA profile. Mitochondrial DNA uh, testing was done. Uh, the DNA sequence obtained from the cat hair had never been um, seen before in any of the cat databases. Huh. The cat databases. <laughs> yeah. Listen, like, listen to this. Hmm. So like cats... cat mugshots. <laughs> <laughs> cats, cats from the suspect's home and from the surrounding community were collected for comparison. Oh. While no matches were found in the area cats... Eight out of the 11 cats at the suspect's home had the same DNA type as the evidence hair. Wow, because they all shared a mom. Because it's mitochondrial yeah. DNA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A hearing determined... The same mama kitty. Yep. A hearing determined that the cat evidence was generally accepted as reliable. And Henry Lee Polk was found guilty of first-degree murder. Dang. Isn't that crazy? It is kind of crazy, yeah. It is. Like, it's just... And I have some stories coming up, too, mm -hmm. where animals have helped solve Crimes. cases. Yeah. It's, it's and insane. not just, like, McGruff the crime oh, dog? Oh, no. No. <laughs> I love McGruff. It'd be weird if McGruff was allergic to dogs. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, it would be. Imagine dressing up as a dog and be allergic to dogs. Oh, no. I can't. The unfortunate. Oh, I, I love can't. it. I love it. I can't. So, besides being the witness at a crime scene, animals themselves are frequently um, the victims of crime. Don't talk. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, they don't talk. So, this is actually really, this is really sad. Oh, okay. <laughs> let me, let me. Sorry. sorry I'm sorry. Uh, Go ahead. I love it. I love it. Go I love ahead. when we get all giggly. Go ahead. So, in addition to the crimes of dogfighting and animal cruelty, oh, yeah. many serial killers have admitted that they began their careers with animals. However... Animals are often um, tortured or killed by someone trying to control another person in a domestic violence yeah. situation. So up to 80% of women arriving at a domestic violence center report animal abuse by their partners. Yeah. Yeah. So in the case of Jeffrey Nolly Jr., his girlfriend's mother reported that her daughter was being held against her will and that Nolly had threatened to kill her if she tried to leave. A search of his home revealed 29 dog carcasses. Yeah. And three live puppies. Oh. On the day he was arrested, Nolly had forced his girlfriend to hold a puppy while he drilled into it. <gasps> oh, my yeah. God. Hair recovered from the drill was matched to the dead puppy. So Nolly pled guilty to a lesser charge of nine counts of animal cruelty and weapons possession. So while people still consider animal cruelty a misdemeanor, it has been well document that, documented that it is a significant indicator for violent criminal behavior and states are starting to address that with bolder uh, statues and increased penalties. Way to bring the room down, Mary. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's what I was saying. I was like, stop Jesus. laughing and get serious. Jesus. But it's it, like the DNA. That is depraved as fuck. But that's why we need one. That's why they're working on better animal cruelty Jeez. charges. They fucking better start because, fixing that shit. Yeah, because that's that's where things are not good. Wow. There were other ones that I had cut out that yeah, were also that's really bad. That's incredibly upsetting. I know. I'm Does sorry. it get funny again? Uh, kind of. Okay. Good. I guess. <laughs> I mean. Please don't make it funny. I mean, again. this is a true crime. <laughs> that's true. All right. It's true crime. I'm sorry. I had to at least leave like one. Yeah. Sobering sorry. fact. Yeah. 
I'll just keep thinking about McGruff. Okay, McGruff and the puppy. Go to my happy place. <laughs> I highly recommend if you have not seen McGruff meeting the puppy to Google it or YouTube it. It's like yeah, the cutest thing. That was pretty magical. It is. Mm-hmm. It's almost like interspecies friendships. Like it I is, love when yeah. a turtle and a dog are bros. Right? So cute. So my, my dog is actually like really best friends with my, my boyfriend's cat. And it literally warms my heart that they play That's cute. with each other. My friend has a Great Dane and a pig. <laughs> oh my and gosh. The two of them are best friends. They chase each other around the backyard. And it's that. the effing cutest thing. She posted a video the other day on social media of the two of them chasing each other around the backyard. It was the cutest fucking thing I've ever seen. It's this teeny tiny little teacup pig and this giant ass Great Dane. And they just chase it. It's friggin' cute. So animal DNA analysis can also be used to exonerate uh, a suspect. Okay. In 1982, Wendy Lou Stark was abducted from a shopping center. Um, five hours later, she tried to escape and uh, was shot four times by her abductor. Witnesses saw a man, uh, man bend over her body and remove a black and white puppy. A suspect was identified who shared a home with a, um, a family whose dog matched the description. Although hairs from her pants were visibly similar to the dog, no further indication, um, identification could be f- uh, done at that time. Those hairs were analyzed by uh, VGL uh, forensic when the case was reopened 27 years later. Wow. Yeah. The DNA profile from the dog hair on her pants eliminated the suspect dog. The ability to eliminate the suspects early in the investigation allows investigators to focus their efforts in other directions. So human DNA analysis of um, a swab got a CODIS hit to a man who had died in prison the previous year and had no obvious connection to the crime. Shit. Yeah. Wow. Dude, DNA. I know. It literally it blows my mind. It is magical. Like, it's just so crazy. Like, the, all these cold cases that are getting solved now, I'm just like... <sighs> I know. It's it, awesome. It is really cool. Uh, science, y'all. Science, science, man. Science. You should science. all get forensic monthly, like me. <laughs> Crime scene forensic Evidence times. technology. That's the one. Evidence technology. <laughs> it's my favorite magazine. <laughs> So animal DNA has been used many times in many states. Sometimes it is the primary piece of evidence that drives the investigation. Sometimes it it plays a supporting role, laying the groundwork for or reinforcing other important evidence. Other times it can provide information that takes a case in another direction, even when that case has been cold for years. Much attention has been given to the CSI effect. And juries have come to... (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I should have (laughs) Googled... She goes, I, uh, I guess. guess. <laughs> I, I don't like, even know what the CSI effect like, is. And I, I was going to be like, I just, <laughs> like, I just did the research for that. I'm like, ah, uh, yes. The CSI effect, I know it well. Oh, man. What a moron I am. <laughs> what an idiot. <sighs> CSI effect. Ah, uh, yes. Well, now I'm going to, uh, the yeah. SVU, or is it? I mean, we could probably leave this I was going to say, this I think is actually this is quite funny. acceptable, yeah. yes. Yeah. So the CSI effect is a brief um, held primarily among law enfor- uh, enforcement personnel and prosecutors that forensic science television dramas influence American jurors to want more forensic um, evidence to convict defendants of their crime. Right. I know. Yeah. I wrote that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Quote, quote by Charlie. Okay. That's why I said, ah, uh, yes. Oh, uh, yes. That. Okay. <laughs> I didn't Google it, so that's why I was like, or I didn't look it up earlier, so I was like, let me just Google that real quick. Oh, that's fine. 
Um, sorry. No, I'm an idiot. Go ahead. I love it. I love it. And jurors have come to expect forensic science in the courtroom. Since many um, of them are pet owners, they are fascinated by the animal DNA evidence and become engaged when testifying begins. Yeah, because it's like a it's like a recognition thing, right? So it's yeah. you you understand the fact that that person would have dog fur on their pants because you relate to that happening to you yourself. I'm so just, it's yeah. you get like excited when you hear something that's familiar to you. Okay, so now we're gonna get into the stories. Okay, so hit, hit me with the true crime stories. Yeah. So this, I mean, they're just short little, like, blurbs. Um, so the first one is called Bird the Bird Provides DNA, because the bird's name was Bird. That's creative. Right? So on Christmas Eve in 2001, the owner of a pool company, um, Kevin Butler, was attacked in his home by two men looking to steal valuables. When a knife fight broke out in the home, Butler's white-crested uh, cockatoo named Bird came to his events, uh, his defense and attacked the strangers, drawing blood with pecks to their heads. Yes, Bird! Right? Bird, bird is the, the word. <laughs> bird. Were you wanting to say that? This whole time, Bird is the word. <laughs> no, I didn't want to say that, but I good. did. Jovi did. So, sadly, Bird was killed during the altercation. <gasps> bird! Yeah. And the men escaped, but Bird Fuckers. saved the day. Yay! Following the attack, DNA was recovered from Bird's beak and claws <gasps> that was matched to a man named Daniel Torres, who was a former employee at Butler's <gasps> pool company. Bastard killed Bird. Mm-hmm. So Torres also wiped blood off of his head after being pecked and then touched a light switch, putting him at the crime scene. What a dumbass, huh? <laughs> right? Sorry. I mean... Not telling you how to do your job, but you know. <laughs> you might want to clean up afterwards. Dumbass. Torres. <laughs> so Daniel Torres was eventually convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison, Dang. according to BBC News. Good for you, bird. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. The bird was like, fuck you. With my dying squawk. I'll yeah. get you, Daniel Torres. Yeah. <laughs> so, number... I don't even know what that meant. <laughs> oh, oh Daniel Torres. Squawk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> His name is Daniel Torres. <laughs> I was like... So, my second story is called A Snowbell of Snowbells. <laughs> Snowball Chance in Hell? Yeah. I just made that up. I just got that from Snowbells. Yeah? Weird. Uh, we're, we're here. So, in 1994, a mother of five from Canada named Shirley vanished without a trace. Some people sus uh, suspected that her common-law husband, Douglas, was involved in some sort of foul play. Which, what is a common-law husband? When is that just when you live with someone for, for a long time? For X amount of time, and then you can actually file for, like... Um, support and insurance together and stuff like that because you've been together for so long oh. living under the same roof okay. that you can qualify. I actually don't think that Florida has common law oh, marriages. Okay, cool. Mm. Some states do. Florida does not. So Douglas had a prison record and an, um, a not so great uh, reputation with the ladies. Um, more than one of his uh, squeezes reported being slapped around. But with no evidence putting um, Douglas at the crime scene, no arrest was, uh, was made. So three days after her disappearance, a jacket was found in a bag in the woods near their home that included blood stains. The jacket also contained several white cat hairs. This detail could have been missed, but an investigator on the case named Roger um, recalled a white cat in their home during one of his interviews. Hmm. So he sent the hairs to, a, uh, to be DNA tested, and sure enough, they belonged to the family's cat, Snowball. The match was enough to arrest Douglas. While his defense attorney argued without the cat, the case falls flat, 
He was convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to 18 years without parole. According to the New York Times. Rock on snowball. So my next story is a family dog hair found in suspect's home. Hmm. So in 2001, a seven-year-old named uh, Danielle Van Dam vanished one night without a trace. Police had little to no evidence and could not connect anyone to the girl's disappearance. Eventually, a neighbor by the name of David uh, Westerfield started to catch some of the eyes of investigators. Westerfield was acting suspiciously, including packing things into his RV and leaving his residence during searches for missing Danielle. Yeah, that's definitely suspicious. Yeah. So police eventually obtained a search warrant for Westerfield's home. During a search, investigators found hairs that matched the Van Damme uh, family dog. So according to prosecutors, the dog's hair was attached to Danielle's pajamas and was left behind in the Westerfield's home. Um, it was enough evidence to charge and convict uh, Westerfield of abduction and murder. Wow. He was sentenced to death on August 21st, 2002. Shit. not crazy? Wow. And then this is my last story that I have. So in murder cases, eyewitness testimony is sometimes crucial um, to the developments of court proceedings. But in this case, the eyewitness was a parrot named Bud. Aww. Yeah. So a few weeks after the murder of Martin uh, Durham, his pet parrot began repeating an argument between two people. Hmm. The bird is believed to have said, get out and where will I go? <gasps> then, in what is believed to be the Michigan ma- man's last words, the parrot repeated the phrase, don't fucking shoot. According to Shut the Detroit up. Free Press... So eventually, Durham's wife, 49-year-old Glenna Durham, was convicted of first-degree murder and the killing of her husband after an eight-hour jury deliberation, according to USA Today. Did they put the parrot on the witness stand? You would think. Yeah. Yeah. So that is kind of like a different take on... Yeah. You know, a different perspective of yeah. the true crime stories we tell. So I may, I may continue to kind of do these, these weird every once in a while. Yeah, that was fun. Just to kind of break up all the. And it was fun to get to actually like kid around and joke and not feel guilty about it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So animal DNA is. Uh, I mean, if if you know, if you have a lot of animals and people judge you, just know that you know. Be like, there's a reason. Um, I am making sure that my murder is caught. Thank yeah. You much. By having as much dog fur on my person as humanly possible. And I mean, these were from like three, no, maybe five years ago, some of these articles were. So, I mean, you can only imagine how much has progressed. I haven't found anything recently, though. Right. I tried looking for recent and, Hmm. but I mean, I'm sure. Wow. Yeah. Well, that was a very fun story. It was fun. It was fascinating. It was interesting. I mean, of course, I knew all about it because of my Forensic Daily magazine that I subscribe to. Forensic evidence. Forensic. I'm getting there. Or evidence, evidence technology. That's what I'm it was. I'm not getting there. Evidence technology quarterly. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to wait for Jovi and Nikki to give me a subscription to it. And I'm going to start reading passages at it. So this week in forensic science monthly, it says blah. And I think I got it wrong again. You did. It's all right. So anyway, um, thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> Nikki, thank you so much for telling that oh, story. Welcome. It was a, definitely a fun and welcome yeah. change of pace for yes. sure. Um, as I like to say every single week, we appreciate all of you. We love all of you so much. Thank you for being so kind to us on social media. Um, I hope that you guys have started to reach out to us through email. You're a nut. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hold on. Jovi is putting the P filter. What is that called? Not a P filter. Pop filter. I'm not putting pop a filter. urine filter on my nose. <laughs> 
<laughs> a pop filter. A pee filter. A pop filter. Like pop Nikki filter. told us, a pop filter from the microphone on her nose like a clown. Um, <clears throat> thank you so much for being so kind to us on social media. We love you guys so much. Um, start sending in those emails. We'd love to hear from you all personally. Um, like, subscribe, share the podcast, tell a friend. When we post things on Instagram about our new episodes, put it in your stories, share it. Like I said, with your friends, let them know. Um, that you enjoy listening to bed crime stories as much as we enjoy telling you bed crime stories. Um, so on Instagram and Twitter, we are at bed crime stories email. We are at bed crime stories pod at gmail.com. Um, we will talk to you all next week. And until then, sweet dreams. Our theme song is the song industrial music box by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by backslash 3.0.